Hello and welcome to another episode of The Thriving Metabolism, where we discuss everything that impacts your hormones and metabolism so that you can take control, repair the damage and lose weight consistently without making yourself miserable in the process. It's my mission to empower you so that you and your metabolism thrives and you never have to go through diet misery again. I'm Louise Digby, registered nutritional therapist, weight loss expert, and founder of The Nourish Method to Lasting Fat Loss. Today, I wanted to talk to you about how there is so much more to weight loss than diet and exercise. Most of the women that I've worked with have been to the doctors at some point and been told that they just need to eat less and exercise more. They just need to cut back more. They just need to keep an eye on their portions. They need to exercise more times a week in whatever form they've been told that it's that they're eating too much and they are not doing enough exercise. And it's so frustrating, isn't it? Because, you know, you're obviously going to have tried as hard as you can to cut back as much as you can and exercise as much as you can before going to the doctors about it. And so often you just don't really get any help. You might get a few tests completed, but they don't really give you any information. You get told that it's all normal and that you just need to try a little bit harder. And the reason why that happens is because in school, you know, doctors and nutritionists are taught that the way that people lose weight is through burning more calories than they consume. We only get taught the calorie balance model. And there is so much more to weight loss than just your calorie balance. Yes, we do need to be in a little bit of a calorie deficit to be burning fat, but we need to factor in much, much more than just what you're eating and how much exercise you're doing. So I want to go through really the the non-diet and exercise factors that we need to be considering because I've seen many, many women that I've worked with who have had a good diet and have been very active and still have not been able to lose any weight at all. And, you know, actually a huge proportion of the women that we work with fall into that category. You know, their diets are better than probably 90% of the population because they've worked so hard to get it right. They've done so much research and they're still not seeing results. So there's lots of reasons why that might happen. And I talk a lot about how your hormones and your metabolism are really key for keeping that keeping your body burning fats efficiently. And, you know, it's always difficult to know, well, how do I impact my metabolism and my hormones in a positive way? And some of the factors that we're going to be talking about today are you no know, serious things that are going to have an impact on your metabolism and your hormones. So let's get into it. The first one that I want to cover is stress. I've spoken about stress a few times before. I probably mentioned it in most episodes actually, because this is such a biggie. And even if you don't feel like you're stressed, even if you feel like, you know, you've got a fairly easy life and things are all good, there are many forms of stress. And we're also much more susceptible to the impact of stress after the age of 35, 40. Because of the way that our hormones are changing, 
our sex hormones are changing in that time, we become much more dependent on our adrenal glands, which are the glands that make our stress hormones. And they start producing some of our sex hormones during this transition of menopause. And so what that means is that we're much more, well, much less resilient to the effects of stress. And we can, if we're under stress, we still need to produce lots of stress hormones to help our bodies respond to the stress. And the fallout of that is our sex hormones suffer. They are not produced as efficiently. We kind of shift all our resources to producing stress hormones instead of sex hormones. And that has lots of different impacts on your body because when we have high cortisol levels, which is one of our main stress hormones, we shift our, we we start stripping our muscles of nutrients and proteins for fast energy. And we end up storing that around our middle as fat because we don't actually really need that energy. When, when we were cave people and our main stresses were a famine or, um, you know, that fight or flight, chase a tiger or running away from a tiger, we needed that rapid energy release to, to keep us going, you know, either through a famine or through uh, danger. But now for most of us, our stress is not physical danger it's more emotional and so we don't need that fast release energy and so instead of burning up we actually store it particularly around our middle and for a lot of women part of the reason why the weight becomes more stubborn around the middle as they go through perimenopause and menopause is because your cortisol levels are increasing as well as your estrogen level dropping and that double whammy really sets you up for stubborn weights around your middle. So stress is a huge, huge factor. Um, you know, not only does it make you store more fat around your middle, but it can also result in you breaking down muscle mass to fuel that. And muscle is metabolically active, meaning that it burns calories even at rest. So if you are losing your muscle more rapidly than you should be, you're going to be losing your metabolism with that. Your metabolism is going to be becoming sluggish and it's going to become harder and harder to lose weight because your body is, your calorie requirement is going to be getting less and less. So in order to be able to lose weight and eat plenty of food, we need to maintain our muscle mass. And one way of doing that is by managing stress properly. Stress has loads of other impacts on the body. It also impacts, you know, cause inflammation. So inflammation can disrupt hormones and deplete nutrients. Um, stress can also disrupt your sleep, which is another area we're going to be talking about today. Um, so it just has really widespread impacts on your body and it really is a top priority to support your body through stress making sure you're doing plenty plenty of self-care and mindfulness meditation gentle exercise things that relieve stress things that lower cortisol 
and um, and also making sure that your body's getting enough nutrition because when we're trying to lose weight we're so often trying to cut back eat as little as we can and that deprives our body of valuable nutrients particularly the ones that get really burnt up when we're stressed and by the way not eating enough is a form of stress over exercising is a form of stress okay so we can make this problem even worse with traditional diets. So that's stress. And that is, as I say, a real top priority for anyone who wants to lose weight in a way that is consistent and sustainable. The next thing to talk about is toxins and toxic load. What we're talking about here is environmental toxins like pollutants, pesticides, processed foods, artificial fragrances, and any chemical that we could come into contact with, any sort of synthetic chemical, I should say. The reason why we need to be conscious of this is because toxins can cause stubborn weights in more than one way. So first of all, a lot of toxins are what are known as obesogens, and that is because they cause stubborn weight. And a lot of those toxins are known as endocrine disruptors, and that's because they disrupt your hormones. A lot of toxins mimic estrogen. They're very, very similar in structure to estrogen. So our bodies can actually mistake some toxins for estrogen. And those toxins can bind to our cells pretending to be estrogen, and that can block our own estrogen from having the effect that it's supposed to because it can't reach the receptors. So that can cause disruption to your hormone balance, and then that can cause stubborn weight through the various ways that your hormones being imbalanced can contribute to weight gain. But also there's more. When we have a high toxic load, we are our livers can only detox so much and we our livers are there to deal with toxins and things that shouldn't be in the body you know they are very good at what they do in terms of removing toxins from the blood but it can only work so fast and when we have a high toxic load our livers have to work harder and they have to try and keep up with getting rid of the toxins and If your liver isn't detoxing very efficiently, then you can end up with kind of toxins being recirculated around your body. Um, It's a little bit like when there's, let's say you've got a bathtub full of water, let's say there's some bits in there. If you pull the plug and the water isn't draining very well, if it's a bit blocked up, then the bits do more laps of the bathtub before they eventually go down and through the plug hole. Once you clear the blockage, the bits go down quicker. So it's kind of like that in your body. If the liver isn't detoxing efficiently, then toxins and hormones will keep circulating around your system until your liver is able to have enough capacity to get rid of those toxins. And that's a problem because firstly, that can cause hormone disruption if you're recirculating hormones. You know, it's kind of like you've got last month's hormones and this month's hormones going around your system instead of just this month's hormones. Um, And toxins, if they're being recirculated around your system, 
then they're damaging and they can cause damage to your cells, to your arteries, um, to your nerves and various other things. So they are damaging and we want to get them out of circulation. And your body is really clever. It's very, very adaptive and it can actually help your liver out with this. And the way that it does that is it upregulates fat storage. So your body goes into fat storage mode because we store toxins in fat. So a really great way for our bodies to make the circulation safe and get rid of those toxins is to upregulate fat storage and lock those toxins away in fat where they can't cause harm. So that's great, but the side effect of that means that weight loss stops. So if you have a high toxic load, you're you may experience very slow weight loss or a weight loss plateau or even weight gain as a result of that. And the thing is, when we start trying to lose weight, we start releasing our fat stores as we burn through them. And we're also releasing toxins with that. Any stored toxins that we have, we are releasing them with those fat stores. So when we start losing weight, your toxic load can shoot up. So what you might experience there is some initial weight loss and then a sudden plateau. And that plateau comes because your body doesn't want to release more toxins and it wants to actually lock away some of those toxins. And you may even feel under the weather because of the high toxic load. So having a high toxic load is not ideal and trying to reduce our exposure to pesticides, pollutants, processed foods and things like artificial fragrances, skincare products that are full of phytolates. Um, There's lots of things that we find in just everyday stuff that come under this uh, sort of obesogen bracket. So starting to, you know, avoid things like plastic, for example, swapping plastic water bottles for glass water bottles, plastic Tupperware for glass Tupperware, um, trying to switch from you know, artificial fragrances, perfumes, air fresheners to things like essential oils, which are not, um, don't have that same impact because of they're not using chemicals as part of their fragrance. So that's toxic load. And then next we've got sleep. Sleep is very, very similar in terms of what we spoke about with stress. If we are not sleeping enough, we are gonna be producing more stress hormones because it's very stressful for our bodies to be sleep deprived. And sleep deprivation is anything less than seven hours of uninterrupted sleep per night. And not many people can say that they get that. So probably most of you listening have some level of sleep deprivation or disruption going on. And not getting enough sleep is such a disruptor to fat loss. I've had quite a few clients in the past who have been doing really well with their weight loss. They've been very consistent and focused. Suddenly the weight loss stops and they come to me and say, oh my God, what's going on? I haven't changed anything. I'm still eating well. I'm still active. I'm managing stress, all the things. And then when we dig into it, we find that actually they've been through a period of bad sleep because of you know whatever, hectic schedule, stress. And that sleep disruption can be the thing that stops you from losing weight. So making sure you are really prioritizing sleep and prioritizing your bedtime routine to help you get to sleep nice and quickly and get good quality sleep 
is so, so important and so powerful as well. So, you know, one of the main things that you can do for good quality sleep is getting to bed at the same time every night, waking up at the same time every morning, trying to get some activity into your day, trying to get out first thing in the morning, get some natural exposure to daylight first thing in the morning. That helps to kind of reset your body clock and um, that will help you sleep better in the evening. Minimizing your exposure to blue light is super important as well. Um, We know that blue light, which comes from devices like phones, TVs, laptops, indoor lighting, the blue light can actually block your production of melatonin and raise your, your stress hormones and blood sugars. So that is a recipe for poor sleep. So trying to minimize your exposure to those things, particularly in the hour or two before bed, is gonna help your sleep quality. And not to mention, when we are deprived of sleep, not only are we raising our stress hormones, but we're also raising our hunger hormones. And we are gonna be hungrier on a day when we've not slept so well. And at the same time, our stress hormones are gonna be higher, our blood sugars are gonna be more disrupted, and we're gonna be more inflamed. And there are all things that are not gonna help you to actually be able to process those calories you're taking in from that extra food if you give in to that hunger. So again, it's a bit of a recipe for weight gain. So prioritizing sleep, absolutely critical. The last thing that I wanna talk to you about today is gut health. We don't necessarily always think about the gut as the first thing to work on when we have weight issues, but actually it is one of the first things that we think about with many of our clients. The gut is linked to pretty much every other system in your body. If you're having problems with fatigue, weight, sleep, anxiety, depression, skin issues like acne, rosacea, eczema, um, toxic load, intolerances, deficiencies, I mean, you name it, they can all be linked back to the gut in some way. And with our clients in the Nourish Method, we test gut health. We look at gut bacteria and yeast and digestion absorption and a few other things. And we so often find that there are imbalances in the guts even for people who don't have obvious gut symptoms, we so often find there are imbalances there. You know, if you're not digesting and absorbing your food properly, you're going to have deficiencies or insufficiencies in nutrients or in even your macronutrients like your fats. Um, So if you're not absorbing properly, that's going to impact how well you're able to make your hormones and regulate inflammation and um, have a proper immune response to bugs and that sort of thing. So digestion and absorption is super important. And then having a healthy balance of bacteria and yeast in the gut is critical as well. If you've got a lack of beneficial bacteria, that's going to impact your absorption of various nutrients. It's going to impact how well you're eliminating toxins and hormones. And you may even be reabsorbing some hormones and toxins that have been processed by the liver and excreted into the digestive tract ready for elimination if things aren't good gut-wise, you know, particularly if things are slow and you're constipated, then you could well be reabsorbing some of those things, which we do not want. But 
when it comes to bacteria, you know, another common problem that we see is an overgrowth of bacteria or yeast. And again, that can disrupt absorption. It can cause inflammation. It can raise your toxic load. It can um, cause digestive symptoms. So, you know, there's lots of things there that can, again, disrupt your hormones. And we also know that the balance of your bacteria can affect how many calories and sugars you absorb from your food. And this is one of the things that makes the food you eat or the food that's going to work for you so unique to you because your gut microbiome is unique. It's different to anyone else's. You know, it's like your fingerprint and your gut microbiome will be better at digesting and absorbing some things than others and what that means is that some foods are going to make you feel great some foods are going to keep your blood sugars balanced and other foods are not going to be making you feel so good the better your balance of bacteria the more foods you can tolerate and uh, you know the better you can process those foods and so it's important to have a healthy balance of your bacteria and yeast. So focusing on gut health is again, absolutely critical for happy hormones, healthy metabolism, good energy levels, good sleep, good moods, and pretty much everything else. So that's another area that we definitely want to be prioritizing on our overall weight loss journey. So there we have it four areas that have nothing to do with eating less and exercising more that are absolutely critical for a successful weight loss journey. So if you've been feeling stuck, if you've been you know, trying to eat less and exercise more without seeing the results you would expect, or maybe you're seeing results, but it's been a struggle, looking at these other areas can be a real game changer. And I know it can be difficult to know exactly what to do, but what we can all do is get some decent foundations in place using the tips that I've given you through this episode. Okay, now it's time for my favorite fact from the week. And this one is this. An early breakfast may reduce the risk of developing type two diabetes. Now, there's always a lot of discussion and debate about what is the best time to eat breakfast. Should you have it as soon as you wake up? Should you delay it as long as possible? Obviously, there's a lot of hype around fasting. And one of the main ways that people fast is by delaying their breakfast. So you would be right to be confused. What this study showed was, well, first of all, it looked at a lot of people. It looked at over 100,000 adults and 79% were women. So that's refreshing because most research studies seem to be on men or just to have a couple of women included. So 79% of them were women, which is great. And they followed these participants and got them to keep food diaries. And then they followed up with them after about seven years. And in that time, there was just under a thousand new cases of type two diabetes from the participants in the study. And when they analyzed all the data, what they found was that those who had their breakfast before 8 a.m. had a significantly lower risk of type two diabetes. And this is because it has a positive impact on blood sugar control and lipid control when we do that. 
The study also found that those who had dinner um, after 10 p.m. had a higher risk of type 2 diabetes as well. And when it comes to fasting, it found that fasting is helpful for blood sugar control and the reduction of risk of diabetes, but mainly when it is done through having an early breakfast, an early dinner, as opposed to delaying breakfast and having a late dinner. So food for thought there, very interesting to see the impact of our meal timings. And yet another thing that has nothing to do with how many calories we're eating and has much more to do with how we're eating. So have a look at your schedule and what what you normally do food wise and see if a little bit of shake up might be needed because anything that reduces our risk of type 2 diabetes is going to help to reduce weight gain and help with weight loss as well. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you go to wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Make sure you also hit follow or subscribe. And if you'd like to have your question answered on the podcast, you can email me by emailing louise at louisedigbynutrition.com and pop podcast in the subject line and I will answer your question on the podcast. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.